Welcome to Pod Trivia, the podcast that is not at all associated with Jeopardy. I'm Britain, <laughs> and I am your Daredevil host. Daredevil host? Question yeah. mark? Yeah. <clears throat> no, no explanation? No, that's that's just me. No, I'm, no I'm needed. Um, okay. I'm Becky, and I am your grumpy old man from the Muppets host. Ah. Uh, I, I'm Kyle, mm-hmm. and I'm your Julie Andrews host. What? It, it what? Fits today's topic. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> Julie Andrews was in Mary Poppins. Kyle, the number of random facts about Julie Andrews that I know that went through my brain yeah. was wild. That's all. We're not going to go there. We don't need to talk about Halloween or Princess Diaries, but... Uh, here's a Julie Andrews well, uh, wait. piece of... Tri- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Julie Andrews wasn't... Oh, Halloween. I was thinking of Halloween Town. Never mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. no. <laughs> Continue different, on. Different lady. <laughs> franchise. Different, yeah, d- different franchise, different lady. Um, Julie Andrews was in uh, the Princess Diaries. I just said that. And she was in the Princess Diaries with Mark and Brian, the famous radio know, DJs from Los Angeles, together. who just this week got inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. What? There's your trivia for this. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right, let's go on to our topic. <laughs> so I'm going to be talking about how Mary Poppins changed cinema mm-hmm. and forever. Can I start with a question? Yes, you may. Are you referring to the OG to... Mary Poppins? That was the middle of my sentence. Oh. I know it was confusing. Were you referring? To the Gardens of the Galaxy, Mary Poppins? <laughs> I, I, I had that same thought earlier as I was writing this up. Like, I printed this out, and I took it off the printer, and I was like, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Like, that's literally went th- what went through my Brittany head. What are, we, what are we talking You've about? You've never seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. No, I have. Okay. No, I have. I, I enjoy that movie. In okay. the second but, one, what's his face who's blue? Uh, and shoots the arrows. You with me, Britain? Yes, arrow guy. Yeah. Um, Starts with a Y. Y- Yangar. Like heard no. about Mary Poppins from Quill at some point, and then like is floating at one point or falling, and he's like, "I'm Mary Poppins." He's like, "I'm he Mary Poppins, y'all," or something like. Knows that. no context other than she can fly. I, I think he like has an umbrella. Oh, maybe even that. Yeah. And, and he's like floating down, mm-hmm. and yeah, he's like, "I'm Mary Poppins, y'all." Gotcha. So that's Anyways, what we're talking wanted, about. The Guardians of the Galaxy. Derail that... Kyle one more time. Thanks. Any <laughs> time. All right. Starting off with some trivia questions. Do either of you know how many Oscars Mary Poppins won? Seven. I love number questions. They're yeah. my favorite <laughs> They're the ever. They're worst, right? Um, I'm going with four. Seven's too high. Seven's too high. Hold on. I want to go with five. What'd you go with, Britain? Four. Britain gets it with nice. four. Um, it was nominated for 12. Um, Britain, since you got four, do you know what it won the Oscars for? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> it won for best picture, best male actor, best female, and best dance scene in a comedy or musical. Okay, I think that there is... Did he get any of them right? Sort of, yeah. Okay, I think that maybe the dance one was related to like 
technology or animation. I don't know how they word those because, frankly, they don't normally broadcast them. Um, this one they do. Okay, fair. Let, so let's be real. By the time we get there, I've turned it off. Fair enough. Uh, Britain, you got best female act, f- female performer. It's best actress is okay. the uh, Oscar, which Julie Andrews won. Um, best original score for the songs. Um, best visual effects, mm. which I think is what Becky was trying to get to, which yeah. is correct. And also best film editing. Um, and and we're going to go... Basically, what this is mostly going to be about is about visual effects and about the visual effects of Mary Poppins. Because specifically, Mary Poppins really revolutionized the way that effects are done in the f- film industry um, with some really crazy new technology. So first off, do you, either of you know mm-hmm. what green screen is? Yes. I've been I, on a green screen I, at the Pacific oh, Science Center. Oh, yeah, there you a, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, they what, have, do you, what do you think I do for a living? Uh, you teach children? Um, yeah, we use a green screen every week. Oh, okay, cool. So, <laughs> I think everyone knows what a green screen is. <laughs> I didn't want to just assume things. That's a trivia podcast. <laughs> All right. So, if we had said no, were you going to describe the color green? No. What is green? What's a screen? Who decides what green is? <laughs> Never going to get through all this. <laughs> green screens basically as you do you, do one of you guys want to explain it? No. Okay, no. yes, it's a screen which is green and then you can remove all the green color and overlay it with something else like a picture or a background. And yeah. when you're performing in front of one, you can't wear green. Yes. Because mm-hmm. we sent people get into to the moon, but we can't figure out I'm gonna get how into this. to edit out like what green counts and what doesn't. And green khaki counts. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that because that, that's, that's actually very apt to this. So thank you. Yeah, anytime. Um, so yeah, so basically you can take a really bright color usually green, and delete it from your image. This is also called keying out the color, keying out green. This just leaves a subject in the background, and then you can like stick that subject on any variety of backgrounds. Um, green screen, in its modern context, is actually relatively, is very new in terms of uh, that technology, because it requires a lot of computational power to actually key out that color in a, you know, an After Effects program. By computational power, do we mean computer power? I do. So, like, a big computer? Yes. Okay. Like, a pretty powerful computer by modern context. All right. Like, not and a when I say, like, yeah, like, well, no, when I say, like, a lot of computational power here, I just mean a lot more than what they had in, like, 1940. Like, sure. almost any computer in... Is that when this in, came out? Is uh, that a trivia question? Did I... <laughs> no, it's not a trivia question. I, uh, Mary Poppins came out in 1960s. Oh, okay. 1962, I want to say off the top of my head. I didn't write it down. Okay. Um, so, like, you know, obviously, like, most computers these days could do green screen. But that is because computers these days have a lot of computing power to them um, in order to achieve um, this effect. So, Britain, I'm going to ask you this question specifically. This isn't yeah. so much a trivia question, but 
What if you wanted to achieve a similar effect to green screen, but you did not have, you know, a computer and you didn't have digital, uh, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Blah. You didn't have, uh, you know, digital film that you could record to. You only had physical film that you could record to, like actual reels of film. What if you wanted to achieve that same effect of going you know, replacing the background of that film. I, I assume you would, like, cut out the, like, people and then just put them on a different background. Um, that's, that's actually relatively close. And, and they, they tried that for a lot of, um, you know, doing background replacement in mm. really early on. The problem with it is when you're cutting out that film, um... You, de- you are degrading the film in that process. So when you sort of stitch the film back together later, um, you're always going to get like a worse image uh, than what you originally started with, right? So what the, the, the next step in that process was to invent something called the double exposure. So basically what the double exposure is was <clears throat> they would take a, f- a film camera and they would cover up part of the lens and then record the film once onto a piece of film, and then they would physically r- rewind the film loop backwards, and they would cover up a different part of the lens and then reshoot the film. So then you would, you're double exposing onto the same piece of film, but you're getting a different thing on each part of the film that you're covering and then you know recording again. So for example, if I took a, uh, took a lens and I covered up the right side of it with like, excuse me, black tape, and then recorded you on the left side of the lens, then I could rewind the film, cover up the left side and shoot you on the right side and you know, re-film the whole film. And then it would look like you're standing next to a double of yourself because you're on both the left and the right side of the film. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes. So is cool. that how they filmed all of uh, the parent trap? Yes. I'm going to get into the parent trap in a little bit, so don't oh. don't worry about that. Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> the answer is no, they didn't use double exposure for the parent trap, but I am going to talk about what they did do for the parent trap. Um, so this double exposure was used in filmmaking and is continued to be used in filmmaking, actually, for, for, very, for a very, very long time. Um, the first recorded instance of double exposure was a, a guy named George Miles. I, I think you're, I'm pronouncing that last name right. Who knows? Probably not. So uh, George Miles, who uh, he created an effect with a man with multiple heads by basically covering up, you know, part of the guy's body for one shot and then reshooting his head in another shot. So it looked like he had multiple heads. Uh, but this double exposure technique went on to be used um, for things like the original Star Wars trilogy. That's uh, how they shot uh, some of the ships in, in Star Wars. I'm going to cover that a little bit more like later. The, like the in space? Yeah, like in space. Gotcha. Um, it, it, how did they cover up the camera while they were in space? <laughs> also, how did they hear the lasers fire in space? <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> Is the thing. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah. So basically what they would do is they would film the ships, like the, you know, the floating in space, quote unquote, ships. And they would 
first off, like cover up all of the space around the ship, like exactly on the lens. And then so it would just be the, the, the single ship. Mm-hmm. And then they would go record, you know, basically light going through a black uh, background. So that way it looked like it was stars. And then they would they would cut out from the middle of that just the where the ship was. So then that part was covered up and then they would overlay those two pieces of film. And now you have a ship on a background, which looks like it's flying in space. Mm. Um, Now, this double exposure technique was used a lot for uh, black and white films. um, But then came along Technicolor. Um, So the uh, introduction of color film allowed for a new approach to this problem. So Technicolor films back in these days were actually shot by having light travel into the camera into this like light prism, which would then reflect the different colors of the light into different film strips. So it would be one red film, one blue film, and one green film. And then they would take all three of these film strips and overlay them. And then you got basically color film. Um, So what if you, instead of reflecting the blue color from the prism to the film, you just took out that piece of film and didn't record any of the blue? Well, now you wouldn't have actually any blue in in your uh, image anymore. Um, And and so then you could actually do what you described earlier, Britton, which is you you would start to cut out pieces of the film where the blue, maybe a big blue background would have been or was in the original filming of the uh, subject. And then you could replace that with something that you had shot earlier, you know, some different background that you had. And now you had a a little bit better of um, a a background image shot against the uh, subject. And and so it was sort of a combination of that original cutting effect with what's now known as blue screen technology in order to produce a slightly better effect against uh, the background. And and this, sorry, go ahead. So if I'm, understand this so this is kind of like an og green screen where mm-hmm. they would just remove all the blue color and then they yep. could put something else in instead of the blue yep exactly but it required tampering with the film it required actually like you know physically cutting on the film mm-hmm. so it was laborious um because you literally would have to go through you know each frame of the film and do this process um and it also r- just you know wasn't as good as modern day green screen um, because we have computers to solve some of the problems of blue screen. I'm going to get more into those problems in just a second. But this method was first used for the movie Thief of Baghdad in 1940, Um, but it had a lot of issues. So for example, like Becky mentioned with green screen and having to wear not, you know, you can't wear green clothes. You couldn't wear blue clothes or, or blue props Um, couldn't be used in the film um, because the blue hue would just totally disappear from the film and it would look, you know, off. And now does Uh, this also include like purple because purple has blue in it? Right. So that this is actually, so this gets into the lighting of the film. So you would have to light it in a very specific way to try to actually push out as much blue as you possibly could. Um, Because if you, had any le- leftover blue 
you would actually get these like blue hues that would sort of fall over the actors' faces at, at certain points. And you would get like these blue halo effects like around the actors, excuse me, around the actor's head um, and, and sort of the outline of their body. Because you, you, basically the blue would be like bleeding into the actual film. And you actually still see this problem. I mean, Becky mentioned it. You see this problem, you know, with green clothes against green screen. Um, they'll disappear in, into the chroma key. Um, but also if you, uh, uh, you know, use a, like a, a digital uh, software that maybe looks at a green screen in the background and then tries to like make it transparent um, and does that like on the fly, sometimes you'll see just like a little bit of green hair usually on people's hair because hair is like a very transparent element. So mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're not like lighting it perfectly, then like that green can start to come through. There's even like major blockbuster films where you can see this in actors' hair. It's just this like little bit of green tinge where um, maybe like they haven't gone in and actually like recolorized that person's hair to to make it go away because maybe it was too expensive or maybe they didn't notice it or or um, that's that sort of thing. So you know the, this this continues to be a problem, but this was a much worse problem back in these days with this blue screen because of sort of this having to tamper with the film process and, and the lighting w wasn't as well known. So like bit you know lots of problems with this blue screen yeah and is there a reason why they did blue instead of red or ah, yellow good question so so basically the three colors you could choose from with either blue um green or red because those were the three colors that the technicolor prisms were could separate right mm -hmm. um so they chose blue over red and green because on a color wheel blue is the farthest from a pale skin tone Mm -hmm. which was the majority of the skin tones of the actors at this time. So um, it, it was chosen to try to be as far away in the color, you know, color wheel from, from a, a, a pale skin tone. So they had too many green skin people working in Hollywood at the time. It, it would be blue screen people, but, but yeah, yeah, that's true. No, green skinned people. Oh, I green. see. I see. That was, yes. it was a joke. All I right. Get it. I get let's it. move on. Painful. <laughs> so then walt disney gets the rights to the live action adaptation for the movie mary poppins and they wanted to heavily utilize blue screen for a specific scene in the film it's um in about an 18 minute sequence where the actors of the film jump into sort of a sidewalk chalk uh, uh painting um and they start to, you know, dance and, and they sort of have this like fantastical background around them and they're like interacting with animated penguins and, and um excuse me, did you silence your phone? I don't think I did. Wow. My my bad, my bad. Amateur. What <laughs> company do you work for? <laughs> so embarrassing. So they wanted to like heavily utilize blue screen. For this scene but they didn't want to deal with any of the downsides of blue screen um specifically they needed to have dick van dyke's character wear like a blue bow tie he also has blue socks on mm -hmm. um julie andrews in the scenes is seen is wearing this like thin uh slightly transparent veil um and and this was looked at as like a nightmare in terms of like lighting this against a blue screen 
And so basically, like every visual She's effect. Wearing a veil. Yeah, it's not like a. Sorry, I don't. I don't know. Lace. I, think, I mean, it's. It, it is a veil, but it's not like a veil over her face. It's like a veil on like that sort of. It attaches her oh, her hat. It's on her yeah. hat. And I'm yeah. with you now. Yeah. It goes I'm under her chin. I'm with you now. I just was like, she didn't get married. No, she's not like married in the scene. It's it's like a it, it attaches her hat to like her like it a was, bonnet. You you could call it like a chin strap. Like straps on a hat. Yes, it it was called a veil in all of the documentation that I, I read about this. Um, and, and so like you know this like transparent see through. Uh, a white uh, a piece of material. Basically, every visual effects house that Disney went to with this problem was like, we have no idea what to do, do with this. There's no way you can solve this. Good luck. Um, and then they came across a inventor, an engineer who used to work for Bell Labs, um, Petro Vlahos. Um, and they sort of brought him this problem. He was working at MGM, I believe, at the time. And they're like, hey, um, could you solve this? And he, he was like, I mean, I can try. And so his first decision was actually to get rid of the blue screen entirely. And he swaps it for something um, really unique, um, which was a yellow screen, um, which seems odd at first, because in a, in a movie where you have uh, predominantly uh, white actors and actresses, yellow seems like it would conflict with uh, a pale skin color and therefore might drop your actors out of the scene accidentally. Um, but this wasn't actually like true yellow. What it was was a pale white um, sheet that was then lit with sodium lamp lights. So sodium lamp lights were actually, they used to be on like street corners. They were used for like street lights. Um, so they were relatively cheap to get a hold of at this time. And you and they could basically light the entire white background with these sodium gas lights. So, so yes. go back a second. Are yes. we still in the the process with the the camera and the lights coming through into the prism? That we're, we're, that's I'm still gonna happening. That. I'm or, gonna get to that. Or are we now more into the green screen type thing? I'm confused where the light lights. I'm lost. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna answer your question in just a second. So, so they wrapped each character in a sheet and then poured chemicals on them. <laughs> no, there was a big white sheet behind them and that they off. lit with sodium gas. Okay, that and then they're safe. still using a camera. Yes, well, they are obviously still using a, they're still using a, a camera, physical but... film camera. Yes, they are. Right, but behind so them right now, they have a sheet going on. Yes, a movie without a camera. Yes, it would be hard to make a movie without a camera. So they, they had this big white sheet that they then lit uh, with this sodium gas lights. And Vlahos knew that the wavelength for the sodium uh, light was very, very specific. Um, the wavelength of the light was exactly 589 nanometers. Um, whereas like a blue screen, that blue hue from a blue screen. But like, what does that mean or imply? I'll, I'll say in just a second. So the blue screen wavelength was between like 435 and 500 nanometers, which was a much bigger range. So this allowed Vlahos to know exactly the the like the exact wavelength that he could then build a prism for. And what this prism would do was instead of reflecting, you know, red blue and green light into different films it would just reflect 
sodium light at exactly 589 nanometers onto one piece of film, and then it would reflect all the other colors onto another piece of film. So what this basically allowed him to create is when he took in the piece of light, or took in the light from the lens into the prism, was an exact uh, uh, color film, which had the subject, but no background, because the entire background was just sodium light. And then on the other piece of film, it was a silhouette of, of the subject, where the subject was entirely, basically, just a black uh, image with uh, a full white background. Okay, so in, in layman's terms, he made a green screen. Uh, he, yes, using okay. this like very specific light and very specific wavelength, and, and amazingly, all in camera. Mm -hmm. So because he, because obviously he was constructed by computing power at this time, he couldn't really he, he he couldn't really take this into like a computer program afterwards and change it. He did this entirely in camera, where <laughs> where the film, the two pieces of film, mm -hmm. was a perfect subject and a perfect silhouette. So he made a green screen. So he made a green screen. God, we gotta keep going. Oh. You're murdering me. All right. Um, so this, like this upgrade in this technology, not only solved for blue clothing, um, but also didn't impede yellow clothing either. Again, sodium was such a specific wavelength that you could still have yellow clothing and yellow props in, in the movie. Dick Van Dyke is wearing like a yellow blazer in, mm -hmm. um, Mary Poppins. Um, and, and this, you know, worked fine for the film. Um, another benefit was because, uh, yeah, I, I sort of mentioned this earlier, but the prism worked entirely in, in camera, so it doesn't require tampering with the film later to remove the background. And you could basically just take this film, directly layer it over um, a, you know, a background film or a back, background, background plate that you might have filmed, and it would basically uh, achieve a perfect layering effect. Um, also, because Disney was planning on you know, adding animation to the background of the scene, mm -hmm. um, the silhouette film was uh, perfect for for giving to Disney's animators and basically saying like, hey, this black, you know, section that's in the middle uh, uh, of this film, you can't animate here. You need to animate over all of the white background pieces that are, are uh, you know, behind this element. Gotcha. So and they so, were able to sync up where the animation went with the exactly. people. Exactly. Exactly. So th this was actually perfect because obviously Disney had a, a lot of hand animators that they could basically draw on that, you know, worked on a lot of Disney animation films. And so they basically went to them and said like, hey, here's all these silhouette images. You can draw these, these hand animations all behind these silhouette images. And it, it made for really, really convincing animation being layered underneath um, um, the actors. This technique would be go on would go on to be known as the sodium vapor process, and even by today's standards, the layering effect is basically flawless. Um, I mentioned the veil earlier that Julie Andrews wears in the scenes. It, it it's a particular highlight because um, with any other technology, including today's modern green screen technology, you would need to spend significant time after filming to edit out the haloing effect around her veil and to recolorize it in order to make it like look good um but this 
basically like this effect is what earned Vlahos the Oscar um, uh, and Disney you know won for for best visual effects. That makes um, sense for Mary Poppins. Um, there was one issue, however, with this technology. Um, despite his multiple attempts to do so, Vlahos could only ever make one working sodium gas prism, which meant that in the world, there's only one camera that could achieve this effect. Um, this meant that filmmakers fought and begged Disney to rent this camera, and it went on um, to be used uh, in for 40-plus years in films such as The Parent Trap, uh-huh. um, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, uh, Mysterious Island, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, uh, Island at the Top of the World, Gus, Freaky Friday, Escape to Witch Mountain, the original Pete's Dragon, and many, many more. Um, its last known use was in the 1990 film uh, Dick Tracy. Um, uh, Vlahos would uh, go on to then advance blue screen technology and solve for some of the problems that blue screens um, had shown previously which then went on to leave the sodium vapor process behind in terms of you know, modern technology. Um, sodium lamps got much more expensive because they stopped being used for street lights and, and so therefore just um, became really expensive for movie studios to go out and purchase. Um, Vlahos then introduced motion-controlled cameras to the blue screen technology, which allowed for computer program, computer-programmed repeatable shots of the same blue screen element. Um, this technique would be go on would go on to be used in um, the, in Star Wars in both the original trilogy and the prequel tr- trilogy, as well as Titanic and countless other blockbuster films. Motion controlled cameras with green screen or blue screen technology is basically how everything is shot even to today. Britain yes. tried to say something like a minute ago. Oh, sorry, I was reading. Go I ahead, don't Britain. no, it was I don't even remember what it was anymore. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> It was just me breaking up the monotony. Vlahos <laughs> <laughs> um, would go on to be recognized by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Art, and Sciences with a Medal of Accommodation in 1992 for his uh, amazing advancement of cinema. You don't, you don't need cre- to rush, though. Like, uh, it's okay. I'm at the end. Vlahos okay. <laughs> credited Mary Poppins and Disney's allowance for innovation as being the starting points for many of these techniques without which cinema would be very different today. Can we talk about my favorite parts of Mary Poppins? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, had, I had never seen it before. I've seen the first half. I got up until the scene that you talked about where they like jump in the paintings. Yes. And then mm-hmm. even this time, I did it again, and I checked the time, and there's still another hour left. Yeah. And I'm just like... <sighs> it's a long movie. Um... I'm pretty sure that it's one of those ones that came out with an intermission. Like, I think it was still Mm. during those phase of movies. I think you might be right, yeah. So there being, like, a lull in the middle kind of fits that stage of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr. Banks was my favorite character. I related to him a lot. You know what? I have the movie for you. Saving Mr. Banks. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? No, but I looked at it because it was on yeah. disney plus it's it's very different it's 100 percent like yeah. a modern movie um but it's it's very well done have you seen it i have yeah yeah um i just wanted to cite sources really quick mm-hmm. um wikipedia uh business insider has an article how the original mary poppins transformed the way the movies are made 
Um, Filmmaker IQ has an article, Yellow Screen and the Revenge of the Blue Screen. Um, and then also uh, the inspiration for me doing this was a YouTube video called VFX Artists React to Bad and Great CGI number 32, um, which is on the Corridor Crew YouTube channel, which if you're at all interested in CG effects and anything that I mentioned here today, which I have a, 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 an inkling that neither of you are, but uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that YouTube video is, is, or that YouTube channel is a really good channel to, I'm, to subscribe. I'm not. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. I worked really hard to follow what you were saying. Me too. Uh -huh. And that's why I couldn't talk because I was just trying to figure out what and was also, going on when both of us were like so is it like this you were like no so like th there was no hope for us participating in a conversation past the point where we were just interrupting you at the beginning for our own enjoyment um i i was trying to it's... i was by saying that it was different than green screen i'm trying to point out that like green screen has still to this day problems like you mentioned like I can't wear green clothes in front of a green screen. Mm -hmm. Sodium gas solved for this problem sure. with different downsides. but. So do you think they should go back to it? I think it would be really interesting to see if A, somebody could go about remaking a sodium ga gas prism, and B, if... It, if it would stand up to, to modern technology and, and sure. applying modern approaches to it, I think it would be interesting to see the differences. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm educated enough to make the distinct call of it would be better than green screen. Because well, one of the things you said, it was really nice to animate around. And I don't think there's a whole yes. lot of movies that are doing mixed Hand live animation. action animation anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, in yeah, a in a more modern context, it's like a mix of live action with CGI elements, mm -hmm. right? right? And and that's that's really is a form of animation still, where you're you know moving around three D objects and three D elements in a CG in a computer generated space. So those, I mean, there is still that mix there, sort of, um, but you don't need as clearly defined like hand animation plates to go and have people actually draw on. Mm -hmm. um my favorite quote from the movie was when mr mm -hmm. banks is talking to mrs banks and he says mm -hmm. kindly do not cloud the matter with facts <laughs> <laughs> Which i think is just so relevant uh -huh. and then i also yeah. i also appreciated the bank scene where mm -hmm. they all they hear someone trying to get their money back and then everybody mobs the banks because that is something mm -hmm. that happens and is very mm -hmm. real not that quickly mm -hmm. and not over something not that anymore. stupid but yeah. so i just thought that was funny because that stuff mm -hmm. actually happens in real mm -hmm. life yeah that's it that's all i got all right i liked hearing about Yes. <laughs> Harry Potter question time. I'm going to leave that whole pregnant God. pause in there. Pause in my, how I want to describe it. I enjoyed, I was, I was going to say I liked hearing about the technical part of it, but that isn't true. I enjoyed hearing about how advanced it was because I think modern audiences could watch Mary Poppins and miss um, how revolutionary it was. Totally. Um, and even when you really think about Oftentimes, even in today, when you put people in front of cartoons, it looks hokey. Oh, yeah. Um, and that they looked fine enough, mm -hmm. which would be my description of them. 
I would say um, that it looks very good for the animation style that they were going for. Uh-huh. Yes. You interrupted me. About Sorry, go ahead. You were saying uh, it looks fine enough animation modern audience. Yeah, I mean, I think compared to, like, what something could be today, it's even impressive to think about it being. Um, it came out in 64, by the way. I looked it up. Cool. I was yeah. pretty close with 62. But, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. I, I would think, uh, I, I think it definitely holds up if you go, you know, like Britton mentioned, you go watch it today. I don't think that the um, CG, quote-unquote, elements of those, the visual effect ele yeah. elements there would stand out to you as being terrible. Well, this no. is good, because I, so I just watched Lord of the Rings, and that oh, stood yes. out to me as being Such a... bad. Just Oh, whoa, really? Well, just, I mean, very obvious CGI, and, you know, you can tell, like, this is very obviously fake. And, of course, Mary yeah. Poppins is animated, but you at least get the sense that they're in this animated world where nowadays I watch Lord of the Rings and I go, oh, well, that's fake. Oh, there's CGI. Oh, that's not as well done as it is currently. So you can see the age gap, the technology gap, where it's yes. less noticeable in Mary Poppins. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Lord of the Rings is like a masterclass in be beautiful effects. Um, I think the CG elements of Lord of the Rings don't hold up nearly as well, mm -hmm. especially because one. I mean, Smeagol is a character of like you know a full three D character who it, you know they're having to entirely replace the actor who's acting on set with that three D CG element, and that that's very difficult today. Back then, it was even more difficult. They they didn't have nearly the computational power in the nineties that obviously they do now, and so. Uh, you know, very complex they didn't problem. They come out in the 90s. Yeah, they did. The original one came out in the 90s. I mean, and they, and they were the re recorded of all Fellowship? of them in, in the 90s. Came out in 2001. Boom, so it was all recorded in the 90s. Mm. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> All right, should we get to our rapid trivia? Rapid trivia. Um, okay, I need to I need to make a PSA. Okay, I need the two of you to listen to me. You know, in Parks and Rec, when she goes on that radio show with uh -huh. those two awful men, <laughs> yeah. that's what you just sounded like, and that's kind of what Britton sounds like when he starts the podcast. You didn't today, but when you do the really deep voice, so I'm going to need us to calm it down. I am not Leslie Nope. There will be no fart sounds. Oh, I, I, I don't edit it. None. So if there are fart sounds, that's on Kyle. <laughs> All right. I'm ready, Britain. Okay, you can go first. So, hold um, on. Do we want to intro that this is... Trivia. If you it's... are listening to this podcast up till now and you don't know that there's going to be trivia, I can't help you. Was that a good intro? But it's Harry Potter themed. We announced that last week. It was week two. <laughs> I don't know why you decided to put these out of order. That was not my decision. Get it together, Kyle. All right, Britain. Yes. Name three Hogwarts ghosts. There's the Bloody Baron. There's the Grey Lady. There's 
Peeves is a poltergeist, so not technically. There's nearly <laughs> headless Nick. There's Excellent. no, no, you got it. Oh, okay, I mean, I was gonna keep going. But all right. I know, I know. All right. Um, name Dumbledore's siblings. Oh, you see, I saw this one online today. Okay. Ariana. Mm-hmm. And ooh, it's not Alfred. It's not um, Goat Guy. Um. You're right around the circle. You're circling the <laughs> we're, drain. We're very close. Ariana and... I'm going to stick with Alfred. I know that's not it. I Kyle, do you know? It. Uh, it, it's like... Uh... So no, you don't know. I don't think I know. <laughs> it's Aberforth. Ah. Uh... Uh... All right, well, that was my easy one, so... <laughs> okay, then... <laughs> Britain's up one point. Moving on. All right, I'm gonna lightly edit mine. Um, how do you spell Erised, as in Mirror of Erised? It's Desire backward. Oh crap! So it's E R I S E D. Well done. Thank you. Um. How many real prophecies has Madame Trelawney made? Two? That is correct. Okay. She's made two. Wait, so I know the first one is Harry Potter's prophecy, obviously. But what's the second one? Also about Harry Potter. It's that Wormtail's coming back. I have them both written down here if you want me to read them to you. I, at one point, had them both memorized. All right, let's keep moving. Oh, I wanted to hear them, but okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so the... Born to those who have thrice defied him, born as the seventh month dies, and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not, and either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. Then, mm-hmm. it will happen tonight. The Dark Lord lies alone and friendless, abandoned by his followers. His servant has been chained these twelve years. Tonight, before midnight, the servant will break free and set out to rejoin his master. The Dark Lord will rise again with his servant's aid, greater and more terrible than ever he was. Tonight, before midnight, the servant will set out to rejoin his master. Also, the second one, very more clear than the first one. Oh, yes. for sure. She she greatly increased her ability to do it by reading all those tea leaves and sitting in the dark. Mm-hmm. Practice. Wait, so I... <laughs> I have a question about the second one. Yeah. Is that one in the films? Yeah. Yes. It's in the third movie when We're Wormtail. Watch it Clearly, you're cool. uneducated. Cool. Okay. Is that all? Yeah. Okay. What does Hermione use to heal Ron when he is splinched? Um, she uses a little bit of potion that comes from a bottle out mm-hmm. of her bag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop Googling it. I'm not. I'm just here are my hands. Um, <laughs> or are you keeping track of score? Yes. <laughs> I'm also keeping track of okay, score. Okay, good. You, you do that. Um, I want to say it's... I don't know. It starts with a... Does it start with a P? No. Bubo tuber tus pus. Okay. Are you giving up? Yes. <laughs> Essence of Dittany. Ah, good. Okay. So now you're both tied at one. I got two. Somebody had two. I have two. He has huh? two. He got okay. Arisid and the ghost. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, yep. Two. Um, of Harry Potter Wait, and his... I didn't... Did I get two? No, you've you gotten got one. one. Okay, you so said you're two. tied at two. 
No, I said you're tied at one. Well, you're wrong. You just got... Oh no. Which I'm wrong, wrong oh, okay. by. Okay, now I'm with you. We're uneven on asking questions. Okay. Yes. Of Harry Potter and his friends. So mm-hmm. Harry, Ron, Hermione, mm-hmm. Luna, Ginny, and Neville. Uh-huh. We get on that? Uh, which actor was the only actor not raised in England? I thought we were only doing things that were relevant to the books. Well, we didn't. You told me No, that. I did not. You said that on the podcast. I never that? said that. I don't remember that. Well, excellent. I'm going to change one of mine. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? I got mad. Yes. I forgot. Which actor was the only one who was not raised in England but grew up in Ireland? Neville? No. Kyle, do you want to guess? Uh, Would you count Seamus? I I listed off his friends. Uh, Harry, Ron, uh, Hermione, Luna, Ginny, Neville. Ron. Uh, It is Luna. Ivana Uh, Lynch. Yeah. All right. Um, What does SPEW stand for? Society of... Protecting Elvish Welfare. Well, it's not correct. I think I, I mean, I think I would give it to him, but I don't think you will. You're not relevant. Society no, for the Protection of Elvish Welfare. Yeah, on the second time you got it. Yes! You don't get a point. You don't get a point. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. Okay. All right. Still two to one then. Before gaining popularity on the show Glee as Blaine, this actor got his start on YouTube by playing Harry Potter in a very Potter musical. Wait, okay, I can, I can, I can throw in a, I can throw in my bonus question if you don't know. Yeah. This was my that's hard not one. Relevant. This was, it's Harry Potter related. I know. <laughs> I said this was Go my ahead. hard one. Where either you know it or you don't. Yeah, I don't know it. Okay, it's Darren, Darren, Chris. Oh. Okay, Ooh. and then. Um. He was on Glee. <laughs> Okay, so I got your question, Britain. What is Professor Dumbledore's full name? Oh, that's. (laughs) No one asked you to speak. (laughs) Oh, I can't get in my head. Sometimes it's in my head. Um, Alfred Albus Wolfric. I don't know. I think. Can I jump in? Yeah. Mm Albus Brian Wolfric something Dumbledore. There's another one in there that I'm missing. Yeah. It uh, is Albus Percival Wolfric Brian uh, Dumbledore. We got some of it. We got some of it. That was that was the one that I also got wrong. Yeah. So that's why it was my bonus right. question. Yeah. Um but yeah. Alright. Um what did Ginny name her pygmy puff? Arnold. Well done. I thought that was going to be hard. Oop, down goes the fun. Um, okay, this one relates to the books. Wait, I thought we only had to do five. Yeah, I think that is only five. You started. Okay, go ahead. Um, name uh, the knight who occupies the painting in Hogwarts and takes over for the fat lady in The Prisoner of Azkaban. Sir McCraggan. You're so... Sir McCraggan. Sir... I said it. <laughs> it. It is Sir Cadogan. That's what I said. Right, babe? Yeah. <laughs> so it's three to two in Britain. 
Well done, Brittany. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Three to two or four to two? Three, three to two. Mm, or four to two. We can rewind and find out. Anyway, okay, <sighs> so I will pick the topic that you guys will be asking each other. Cool. But it depends on who's presenting next. I, I guess, are you presenting next, yeah. Britain? Yes. Have we decided? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, Britain's doing pyramids mm-hmm. next. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I want you guys... Maybe. Maybe. ...to trivia trivia, trivia each other. Trivia. I should have... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, next time I'm going to plan ahead and think this out. I'm, try- I'm trying to think of something oh topical and mm. relevant that uh-huh. people would be interested in. Mm. Uh, the Office. I, I want you guys to trivia each other on The Office. I don't know that we can call The Office topical ten years after it ended, but I am happy to do that. You are going down. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm not very good at Office trivia. <laughs> well, you have a week to prepare, so start watching. Good. 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 All right. This was pod trivia. Like, that voice <laughs> is a thing I can't say in a recording. Voice. Don't talk like that. Okay. My bad. You are not bothering Leslie Nope. Sound like it. All right. One day we're, we're going to find a good way to end these. Instead of just being really awkward. At the end, you're supposed to be like, hey, follow us at blah blah blah. We have an outro that's already yeah. recorded. We have a pre recording for that. That's all that. So, where is it? It's it's playing right now. It's playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's edited in and now. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Pod Trivia. Uh, if you want to reach out to us and ask us questions or maybe uh, suggest future trivia questions, please email us, podtriviacast at gmail.com. To find out more information about future episodes or contact us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at podtriviacast. If you like our show, head over to Apple or Google Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We might just read it on the air. If you don't like our show, don't give us a review. <laughs> But give us those five stars and let us know. It really helps. All right. Thanks so much for listening.